1: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Few actors are as deeply associated with a character as Davis Gaines is with the Phantom of the Opera. When the Kennedy Center honored Hal Prince, Phantom's original director, they turned to Gaines to perform the musical's signature song, Music of the Night. Let your mind start a journey through a strange for thoughts of That spine-tingling vibrato shook the risers more than 2,000 times in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and eventually Broadway, where Phantom remains the longest-running show in history. But Davis Gaines isn't just that legendary voice. He's an actor, first and foremost, with 14 Broadway and Off-Broadway credits to his name. That's something he hoped for, but had trouble picturing growing up. He was a theater obsessive in a place that didn't have much of an outlet for kids like him. I wanted to be an actor since my earliest recollection, uh,
2: growing up in Orlando. Um, Pre-Disney Orlando. Yeah, pre-Disney. Describe pre-Disney Orlando. Um, Lots of orange groves and um, no traffic. Sleepy little town. Sleepy town. I grew up there knowing I wanted to be an actor, but not knowing how. But I, I found a children's theater group. I joined early on, and then I had an amazing junior high school drama teacher, and Durflinger, and she just took me under her wing, and I just couldn't stop after that, and, and I, I was cast in musicals then, because I had a loud voice, but I... Did you model your singing after someone? No, well, interesting, I was a really introverted, quiet, painfully shy kid, and that's the way I think I tapped into that phantom role so much, that I understood his pain and his loneliness and his... I get it. ...all that... Um, and so I had um, grew up in my room, mostly by myself, with my record player, listening to cast recordings, listening to John Raitt and all those people. And um, it somehow sunk in. And I guess I, I just sung naturally. So when I went to Florida State, majored in theater, and, and not musical theater, but theater, and then
1: um, came to New York. And... Just started um, going to auditions. So Dan Durflinger and a young Davis Gaines when he's in pre-Disney Florida. Where does the but <laughs> well, where does the middle school child? Where does he audition? Like what? What was the theater reality back then? No, there they was none, nearby.
2: There's no. There was. There was none. It was only where my school. Go? Oh, it's school. I mean, I mean I, to see theater. I, the shows that came through town. There were touring shows back then. Broadway touring shows that came through. And um, at you know early age, mom and dad knew that I. Loved, I wanted to be an actor, and I, nothing else would do. So they, I don't know if they had been to New York at the time, but when I was 10, 8, 9, 10, they would take me and my sisters to come to New York. How many kids shows. in your family? Uh, my twin sisters, two, three of us. So um, they knew I loved it so much. That, so they took us here when I was 10, and I saw my first Broadway show, Oliver. Um, and Who was in it? Oh, my God, it was, I think, Georgia Brown. Yeah, so did you sing who
1: will buy in the car on your way home. You sing <laughs> no, them all,
2: but I've since done the show, and I, uh, you know, I've done it several times. To- I did when I was here early on. Um, I was in the ensemble of a dinner theater show in Long Island, and the woman playing Nancy was Shaney Wallace, of course, the who original. was in the movie. Of course, and so I got to like as a ki- like a kid loving all as Oliver. long as he needs oh, me. Oh my goodness! So I got to watch her do that every oh. night. But uh, yeah, that's uh, my life has been like that. Like my first broadway show was camelot with richard burton like i was 34th spear carrier from the left but i got to know him and hang out with him and be his friend and watch him work every night did he teach you anything oh my god yeah
1: what did he teach you
2: like um storytelling he, he he was a great storyteller and he thought i was as well but uh he taught me the, the simplicity the sim the less is more right
1: especially economize economize on stage and uh it was just a wonderful man. Because for me, when I would work with people that were older in television or film or in the theater, uh, uh, what people taught me in the theater uh, was always a little bit more precise and useful. You know what I mean? Like, I have people come up to me, you know, uh, I did a, uh, the first Broadway play I ever did was Loot, hmm. where we moved the Manhattan Theater uh, a company production with Kevin Bacon they moved to the Joe Wharton play David Merrick moved it to Broadway and Kevin couldn't come so I replaced him with Joe Mahar and wow. Zoe Wanamaker and Charlie Keating and Sheldon Wavonick and Nick Ullett and all these people that I remember like it was yesterday uh, and, and Charlie Keating was saying to me oh, you come downstage, mate with that screwdriver in the hand and he says and hold it up when you say that line I'm going to batten down the ashes now and hold up the screwdriver. I bet you get a laugh tonight. Give it a try. Bingo. Come downstairs, hold it up. I get a laugh. And I would get these tips from people who they taught me how to do the business. You know what I mean? And uh, it was and Burton was one of those people for you? Yeah. He, yeah. He gave me just sim-
2: simplicity. I mean, he was Richard Burton. So I just would could, I just like a sponge, I just took it all in and uh, he was a friend and we hung out. When did
1: and- you become the star and How? When not you? When I, do you think, be I the hate lead. that word,
2: but um, so
1: do I. But when did you become the lead actor in the play, uh, the piece, or well, among the lead actors?
2: Well, I guess my first break uh, in that way was uh, Cornelius Hackle with Carol Channing. I think maybe that was a big step for me in my career to, to step out of the ensemble. And uh, Richard Mewins, he played Lancelot in that production, and Christine Everson was Guinevere. And I remember sitting on the bus with him, and I, I wanted to be him. I wanted to be Lancelot. I wanted to be play roles and shows. And I said, how do I do that? And he said, just, well, stop taking um, j- jobs. It's going to be easy for you to get a job in the chorus and you'll get pegged that way. And so just, you might not work for a while, but, you know, just hang in there wait. and wait. And sure enough, I got a call to audition for Jerry Herman, and Carol Channing in Jerry's penthouse on the, on the East side and walked in saying it only takes a moment and got the job and then... That's what, then Carol and Never I been, remained back. friends ever since till she died this year. And um, sang, I just sang at her memorial service in Palm Springs. And and so that opened the doors. That started me on a different path of playing roles. And then I had done a couple of things at Paper Mill Playhouse. Um, so Angelo Del Rossi was the producer there, over there at the time. And he called and said, we're going to do a production of Damn Yankees. And we, I want you to come in and audition. Um I said oh great it's fantastic um I l- look at the music and um and, oh by the way um George Abbott is directing it and I went the George, George, Mr Abbott I yeah gonna, I'm gonna. he baba I said oh my god so I was just like I learned all the Joe Hardy music and I walked into the Minskoff rehearsal studios and it was just Mr Abbott he was 99 at the time and Angelo Del Rossi and I walked up and shook his hand and I said Mr Abbott what what an honor it is to meet you and be able to audition in front of you. And what would you like me to sing? And he goes, "Well, you you look like a baseball player." And I said,
0: "Thanks, thank thanks <laughs> you, thanks so much.
2: <laughs> Appreciate that." Um, he goes, uh, um, "Can you swing a bat?" And I said, "Yeah, of course. The, you bet you you <laughs> right? I can. Right? I can do that." He goes, "Well, the guy we got for the movie, I forget his name," and I said. Tab Hunter? And he goes, <laughs> yeah. Well, he couldn't s- swing a bat. I said, oh. But I can. I can do it. What would you like me to sing? And then he long pause, and he looked at Angelo and he says, well, if Angelo says you can sing, that's good enough for me. I'll see you first day of rehearsals. So I got to play Joe Hardy, directed by George Abbott. Orson Bean was the devil. Um, it was supposed to come to Broadway, but that's the story of my life. But then um, from that chance meeting... He was 99, and uh, that next year he turned 100. So there's huge celebrations for him on Broadway, and who who put them together and directed them was Hal Prince. So from Mr. Abbott, that's he how I met Hal. Hal. Prince. Yes,
1: George Abbott. We're going to talk about who George Abbott is for the people in the audience who okay. Don't remember. Okay. My goodness, tell us who George Abbott
2: is. I mean, he's like before Hal Prince, there was George Abbott, right. and uh, he was like he was an actor to begin with and a playwright and. Producer, director, uh, he wrote so many things and directed so many things. Pajama Game, Damn Yankees, he wrote them and directed them and the movies. And when Hal got out of the service, he came to Mr. Abbott, and they shared an office up until Mr. Abbott died at 107. And... um, uh, uh, He was the godfather. He really was. He was the beginning. There's a joke that uh, he always said that somebody asked him what was the biggest change that he's seen in his lifetime on Broadway, and uh, long pause again, electricity. <laughs> so that was oh, Mr. Abbott with a great sense of humor. And so by chance, then I met Hal, and then Hal took me under his wing. And, and when Hal called and said, um, would you come audition for The Phantom? And I said, sure. So
1: I, I had Where the ch- were they at in the run of The Phantom by that point?
2: Um, this was like maybe three years into the Broadway run probably but uh, I I remember auditioning first on the stage of the Majestic again and then then it was down to two people um, apparently and they flew me to Toronto because he was putting the Toronto the Canadian company together and they flew me there and put me up the driver dropped me off and he said oh I just dropped someone else off here earlier I went oh there's somebody else auditioning as well so they kept us totally separate and then I guess he went first and I went second and then Hal comes on stage and said, do you want to go to L.A. and be the Phantom and I went,
1: sure. When you, when you look at these roles where, you, where people, I think, I'd love to get your take on this, mistakenly think, you just come mm. out and you just blow those notes and just sing. where's the acting involved And they're in the rehearsals? What was the discussion about acting the Phantom?
2: That's a big pet peeve of mine like people like after after six doing the fandom for 6 years I would tell people what I did or whatever and they go oh so do you also act and I went that's what I've been that's what <laughs> yeah. I do I'm gonna chop you up in the, the and <laughs> that's in the what canal. I do but I to me I can't separate the two When you were directed by people how
1: much were the do when you if you were to your well, recollection
2: for instance, how well George Abbott um I, you know he wrote the script so he would was very old school in the way he would give us line readings you know this say it just Do like this, this. Yeah. and I go really but then I did it and then sure enough after we opened like a, mm, he was he was right he was obviously <laughs> he was right but then Hal um would say to me you know oh wow, I'd never seen it that way before I've done that before I'd never seen that before but I like it keep it in so he didn't want me to be a, a, a like Michael Crawford or whoever else had played it at that point he was just open to my ideas and my interpretation, which was a credit to him and how he
1: cast. Um, so. so you didn't feel you had some some pressure as a put-in. They didn't say to you, Michael did this. No. They, they didn't. were open they to did, your but, interpretation. Yeah. How do you think you were different from him?
2: I only saw him do it once, but uh, I thought it was really pretty bad when I – the first first year. I went into it pretty young, and I – uh, you know, I played him to uh, you like a madman, and like right. he's all over the place. And then after six years and two thousand performances, I would do just <laughs> the slightest. Did a tenth of what you The did. slightest bit of the head or the hand, and it just re, it just makes it, all it the difference. There. It's there. It's, it's like part of
1: me. Two thousand performances. Yeah, I did that. When you do a show two thousand times, what's the key for the long distance runner? like you in that is it husbanding your voice and you take care of your voice and you're very cautious
2: well i was a monk and i i listened to your podcast with julie andrews and when she said i think she was talking about i don't know about herself but it was i i had no life for six years basically i i that was my life and um i i couldn't drink i couldn't go out i just went home and slept and drank water and came back and uh Because I felt a huge responsibility to the people that were buying tickets to be it on my best game on my best game, and yeah, and that was my life. Um, She also said Julie Andrews on your thing that you ask her about doing the same role over and over again, and I I just figured out things that that no acting class could teach me, or it was just I would have hit a plateau like two years in, like that was my personal Mm -hmm. best, and Mm -hmm. then a year later. No, that was my personal best. So I kept challenging myself and getting, trying to get better and trying to tell the story more clearly and more uh, economically. And
1: you did it in L.A. for how long? I did
2: two and a half years at the Amundsen, and then uh, I thought I, I bought a house in Hollywood Hills, and I just, I'm going to start my TV and film career, and you know, and and that didn't. And Hal called, and said, "Would you?" <laughs> <laughs> and would you, uh, you poor thing. would you open the show for us in San Francisco? I said, oh, sure. Like, so I did it four months up there. I was on my way back to L.A., literally, and uh, starting my no, film TV, and TV, TV career. career. <laughs> then he called again. He goes, you know what? I would, uh, it's not right. I think you should come back to New York and show everybody what you've been doing for three years. And so I said, okay. So two and a half years at the Majestic.
1: And so when you left L.A., and I'm sure it was a very comfortable life for you. And you went back to New York. What was that like?
2: Uh, well, was it, it, was a, no, it was fantastic. It was a dream come true. Like, I was playing the, the freaking Phantom of the Opera <laughs> on, <laughs> on Broadway. It's like,
1: it's not, you know. It's a good perspective. Yeah. It was like, how lucky can, an opportunity. Watch, how lucky can one, one person get? When, you, when Phantom is going to end in New York, whose decision is that? What happens?
2: Uh, for me, it was, once again, yeah. I was home and Hal called. How's your travel agent for Christ's sake? He goes, Davis, Andrew and I um, are doing a new show and uh, together. It's the first one since we did Phantom. And we want you to be in it. And I went, Well, can I, once again, could I sing something for you? He goes, Is there anything you can't sing? And I said, Well, probably, yeah. No, just, just, just stay put in Phantom. We'll pull you out when the time comes. And that's how it happened. Um, it was called Whistle Down the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hal called and said, it's "Time to come." So he, I left the show. So mine, it was going to be a new show. Hal Prince, Andrew Lord Webber, playing the lead. Mine to originate a role on Broadway. It was like it was everything was great. And we we uh, we got to Washington D.C. and opened, and the reviews were the magic and, didn't and, happen. And, nope. And but, and we got okay reviews, but Hal and Andrew didn't. And like, the next day, Hal went to Spain and Andrew back to England and left yeah. us there. And yeah. they, were, they weren't we, used to I that. mean, our marquee was up at the St. James. We were coming in. And then um, last night, they came on stage and told us that it was... We're not going And anymore. they had chance, because where do you want your trunk to go? I said, I guess back to L.A. So that I, that was my one chance to come back. So you, they
1: pull you from thin and, and then you go, go to, to have Washington. A job. <laughs> it was Washington? <laughs> Washington, D.C., yeah. And then you went to L.A. Yeah.
2: Then you know, I went back. I didn't have a job anymore. But... Uh, but then I think I did Phantom one more time in Los Angeles at the Pantages, just like six, six months. months or so. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, whatever Hal said, you do. i On at some show, I want to say it's like a benefit for the roundabout or something, back in the 90s, maybe late 90s, I think. And uh, uh, Macintosh is there at a table and he says, Mr. Baldwin, and he's very gleaming and very shiny. And he says, Mr. Baldwin. I'd like very much for you to come and uh, meet with my staff and I and we'll talk to you about doing uh, a play, a musical. And I said, well, I said, I don't sing. It's nonsense, Mr. He <laughs> said, anyone can sing. And he said, this is a part that was made for you. You were born to play this <laughs> part. And he said, it's, We're going to do uh, The Witches of Eastwick, Ooh. and I want you to assay the role played by Jack Nicholson in the film, the lead male role. And I said, Well, God, that sounds phenomenal. And you, I'm in such a boundless admirer of you. <laughs> but I said, oh, you, you, you don't want me to do this. You don't want me to do this. I said, Mr. Baldwin, nonsense. I want you to meet with, is you going to meet with my New York based music director, John Clark? And he will take you through some tunes, and he will take it. So we go to his apartment on the Upper West Side, this old, old building, and we go in, and he's got the piano, and we're singing. <laughs> Just say that word, and I'll beat your bird down to Ock, a Poco Bay. I'm doing all my Sinatra right? rip-offs. I'm doing, I'm doing impersonations, and I can't sing. Okay. Finally, we get to, like, the third song, you know, John Larrabee, or whatever his name was, and he stops the piano in the middle of the song. We're literally, we're literally in the middle of the song. He stops, he goes, Mr. Baldwin, I believe you're right. Oh, my God. He says, you really, really can't sing. <laughs> You're listening to my conversation with the actor Davis Gaines. If you're a Broadway fan, here's a quiz. Gaines is to The Phantom as Audra McDonald is to... Well, maybe it's a trick question. You could say Porgy or Billie Holiday. But to me, the answer is Carrie Pippridge, the spunky mill worker with the best songs in Carousel. It was her breakthrough role performed in the shadow of her alma mater, Juilliard, where she had once felt so hopeless that she tried to take her own life.
0: To then open in Carousel at Lincoln Center, where you can look up and I can see the school that I had a hard time in. And, and I remember standing in those windows, seeing Patti Lapone performing there and going, why am I not doing that? And then...
1: How'd you feel? <sighs>
0: um like the luckiest survivor in the world
1: you can find the rest of that conversation with Audra McDonald if you text Audra that's A-U-D-R-A to the number 70101 Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin Don't you think it's cool to care? Carrie Yuma knows fast fashion's not sustainable and decided to spin that conscious mindset to create high-quality, low-impact sneakers. Their best-selling Akka style is the perfect, durable sneaker for dressing up or down, pairing a fresh look with broken-in level comfort. Akka is made with organic cotton canvas and ethically sourced rubber, and every pair comes with Karayuma's signature cork and Mamona oil insoles. Akka's already found its way into my summer shoe rotation. Find your pair and choose from a range of bold and beautiful colors. Right now, there's 15% off at slash
0: alec
1: I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Davis Gaines is remarkably unassuming for a Broadway-leading man, but he nonetheless has got friends in high places. The entire Bush family, for one, starting with the late President George H.W. Bush.
2: I sang uh, in Orlando for a Cancer Center gala benefit, and H.W. was the speaker. I had met him during the the whistle-down-the-wind time in Washington, had a picture, but he doesn't remember, but I did. And so then after the show, he came up and said, Barbara, we really like you. And I went, thanks. like, Yeah, her birthday's coming up, and I'm going to get my boys, and we're going to do something, but what's your email? So I gave him my email address. Two weeks later, he wrote and said, Would I come and sing for Barbara Bush's 75th surprise birthday party in Kenny Bunkport? I said, Yes, yes. Yeah, I, can't, I cannot pass this up. Of course. So it was an amazing experience. Barbara Bush ran that family and she was the boss and she had a mouth like a sailor. She was an amazing lady. I loved her. But uh, they just took me in and HW said, um, What are you doing tomorrow? It's Sunday. Um, I said, I'm going back to New York. He goes, Well, come by the house for coffee and donuts. I said, okay. So I walk in. There's no servants, no Secret Service, really. You park and went in the house, and, and there's Henry Kitsinger going, good job last night, Davis. Good job. I was like, thank you, General. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then H.W. goes, there's coffee in the kitchen. Go help yourself. And blah, blah. So I was in the dining room uh, hanging out, and uh, George W. walked in. W. W. walked in. And i said good morning governor how you doing how you doing is like, feeling fine feeling fine i ran for a couple hours after church feeling good i said good for you and he goes can i ask you a question i said yeah he says um can you learn how to sing or is it something you're born with and i said good question i think one can learn to sing uh but you probably have to have some musicality in your head maybe long pause again and he goes well i don't know shit about singing but you probably got the best voice in america I said, Well, thank you so much. And then I looked around. All the out of town guests were gone, but me and the bushes. And I said, Oh my God, I better, just me and him now, I better get going. And he goes, No, 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 stay for lunch. And I said, oh, I, I really overstayed my welcome. Look, there's mama is putting out lunch stuff. And I got to go. He goes, No, no, no. If you're going to pick a day to eat here, this is the day because we're having tacos. And I went, Oh, wow. I, I love, some, I love me some tacos. Yeah. I said, you better go ask your mom if I can stay. He goes, you're right. Wait right here. So he went in the kitchen to ask Barbara Bush if I could stay for lunch. Comes out and goes, you're in. So I was his little buddy all day long and pinching myself under Why the table. Why me? Why me? Why, Why me? me? Pinching myself like, oh, all nice, sense. thanks. Oh, my gosh. gosh I don't, I, yeah. That Do you so know long
1: when you go out there every night the effect you have on people?
2: No, but No. No, but you know, you don't. no, but sometimes, I mean, that's the goal is to move people or, you know, or um, like in Phantom, like if, if I didn't feel like I had a, if I wasn't my best that night, uh, there, there was a huge, long, embarrassing bow that we had to do, like stage left, stage right in the middle. Like, I said, short bow, short bow, because I didn't think I deserve, I didn't deserve that, all that. So, yeah, I go out there trying to do my best and to, uh, it's nice when people laugh or cry. Um,
1: yeah, it's nice to do that, to feel that. I love that. The show, you go back six months at the Amis, and then what happens? Then, I, you know, I just uh, settle back
2: in L.A. and uh, uh, so A lot I, of concerts. Yeah, I do a lot of concert work. Do a lot of concerts. Do you uh, enjoy that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, obviously very it pays so. the bills, and people want to come see you. Very but much so. Cause, you, cause because you get to do anything, well, correct? I get to do what I want to do, but what's great about that is like, I get to sing, uh, I can sing, it only takes a moment, as that character... As Cornelius, I can do Fagan. I can sing um, reviewing the situation as Fagan. I, I can go impossible, the dr- well. impossible dream. And every every song has it. I become a character, mm-hmm. which that's what I love to do. And so I, I morph into that, and then I can just sing you know normal standards. Or
0: some
1: standards that you. What are some of
0: your well, favorite like, standards? I, I did a,
2: an, an album um, Sammy Kahn tunes because I sang at his memorial service. <laughs>
1: I wonder if that's the go-to. Yeah. wonder if After these guys that, are dying, and they're saying, uh, you know, I love you, Irene. And one more thing. Yes, Sammy, you got to get Davis Skates to sing at my memory. memorial.
2: You know who Michael Childers is, the photographer? Yes. He called me the other day to come sing at a funeral of someone I didn't know. But uh, I said, sure. And then I was sitting next to him. He goes, you know you're singing at my funeral. I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that, Michael. <laughs> he said, you know, you sang at John Schlesinger's funeral. I went...
1: You're too kind. How did the film and TV thing go no. over the
2: arc of many years? Well, I did a lot during the Phantom. When I was Phantom, they wanted me as a guest star on Veronica's Closet with Kirstie Alley. And, and um, I did a Murder, She Wrote with Angela Lansbury and those guest things, Charmed and all those. But since then, I have no representation in Los Angeles, so I don't go out on anything. Um, you don't want to? Yeah, I do. You but do. I, I don't have an agent. So that stuff has kind of fall off. I don't... I don't really have anybody to book me in concerts, and clubs, or music anymore. So, I, people just come to me and say, "Will I sing?" Um, I definitely want to, but I'm only—I'm really good when I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm not so good, and, you know, as a person. And as a, I, I get—I'm what good, do you uh, mean? You, know, you mean, when like, you're not working, you're good. Like, antsy. I get antsy depressed, and when I'm on you stage, do. when I'm on stage, I'm like,
1: "What's so the what? longest you went where you didn't work?" Oh gosh months 6 months a year 6 months a year maybe so if, let, let's say we'll split the difference as 9 months maybe we'll say a year and without getting into too much detail I don't want to pry but when you say you could answer what what's what does that well, feel
2: like I, I don't feel like i'm worth what well, do you do what do you I do i i don't i just i probably wanted to quit many times the business like i i don't know else to but i don't know else to do but i would rather i mean there's part of me wants to just have a normal job like a normal person but on the Phantom, like as it happened on and the Majestic. Um, I was probably, you know, five years, five and a half years into the run. And for whatever reason I just hit me. Um, I was at the organ, I had I we just came in and I was Phantom was going at the organ in the beginning of the show and I just burst out into tears. Like me, not the Phantom. Yeah. I had to use it and I just realized that at that moment, like I only felt worth anything or Loved between eight o'clock and ten thirty every day. It's like and I went there's and I loved what I did and I just loved it. But I realized that, is, there's got to be more to life than Phantom or between a our job, job cut as a we job. say in the TV business yeah. and film business. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I just like knew that, that I just had this thing like that. I only felt worth anything. In those hours that I was there, did you have to work uh, on that? To, uh, yeah, I went to therapy that? the next day. <laughs> Probably the next day, I, I found a great therapist here. But I realized, yeah, and it's always a balance now, just to you know be happy um, doing not working. But uh, but when I that I appreciate when I get on stage even more now because i just it's like home.
1: It's like and don't let it define like church, you. It's like church to me. Exactly. Don't let it define you in the way that it's going to cripple you. Yeah. You know, when I did when I did uh, uh I did this uh, Joe Wharton play, I did another Joe Wharton play after we did loot in eighty six. I did Entertaining Mr. Sloan in two thousand four and uh, I'll never forget when I had the scenes with the young guy. i mm-hmm. I'm Ed the middle-aged of a brother we, you know, my sister lives in a house with my father and, I, and this male hustler shows up and I'm uh, this bisexual man who's in love with and Chris Carmack and, and I remember the moment when I was alone with Chris on stage for some of the funniest parts of the play I remember saying to myself oh my god I never want this to end because I don't have as much fun anywhere else right I mean, this is before I met my wife and had my kids this is 2004 I met my wife in 2011 so seven years prior in the, in the thick of my divorce and my life was hell and custody battles for my daughter and just everything outside the doors of the theater was shit and i'd walk into that theater and i thought i know exactly what i'm going to say for the next two and a half hours i know exactly what you're going to say i know exactly how they're going to react and people was, will love you and i was fun yeah i never had more fun in my life
2: it's like that line from applause i'm only alive at night when i'm in a show it's like that's what i gotta do that's what i do
1: now would you do shows now yeah, yeah and all concerts. Time. Where
2: I mean, I, I do most of my stuff in L.A., but I've got the thing about living there. Like the last ten years, i got to play roles that I never w- would have played here.
1: What's the last like, one you did?
2: I just played uh, Nostradamus in Something Rotten, and then a uh, Fagin and Oliver and Music Man and Silence the Musical. I Hannibal Lecter. It's the, it's the, <laughs> the, the, it's the na- nastiest but the greatest they did ever. silence of the lambs is a musical oh gosh dude and yeah. you played Lecter. yeah you you could probably and
1: fava beans and everything oh, i can even really tell you the song, the song. my yeah.
2: first song it's like i can't even speak it on the... uh, my parents were so great about coming to everything i ever did and that's the only show My first
1: song that you can't i, can't say, even... mm-hmm. I
2: can smell your blank if I, I knew it if... if i could smell her blank wow <laughs> yeah
1: it's, it's, it's i've huge. seen them a few it's times huge. I can get... it's huge <laughs> oh god when is that
2: <laughs> oh. I You've do done the gamut. Cool, you? some really fun. I just sort of played with Rita Rudner, a, a comedy, just the two of us, kind of, and, and uh, so yeah, I love doing all different kinds. Of, I don't have to sing, but I can, but I don't have to. But it's fun to do all those
1: different things. Uh, uh, and what I'm wondering: are there songwriters, and are there individual songs? Can you name a couple that you never tire of singing?
2: Gosh. There's a song, Sammy Kahn, the words that he wrote, he won four Oscars and 20 Oscar nominations. All that music that he wrote, his words are amazing to me. There's a, his his one of his favorite songs that my favorite song that he wrote was from a Broadway show called Skyscraper. And it, it's called I'll Only Miss Her When I Think of Her. And it's like just a simple poem. Just I never tire of singing something like that. Songs that are, are sad, songs that hit the heart and... Um, like listening to like I when John Rate was old uh, in his eighties and I was doing Phantom in L.A., we did concerts together, me and John Raitt, And, it was my, and I would we would sing "If I Loved You" together as a duet, or "Hey There" from Pajama Game. And I watched I would watch him sing soliloquy, and then he watched me sing music of the night. And it was like a a, a dream come true. Why 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 me? And And be able to, like, having Rosemary Clooney come backstage in L.A. after Phantom and said, I can listen to you sing all day. I said, no, Rosemary Clooney. And she gave me your home phone number. Call me. It's like, I just don't, it amazes me. And I'll bring this full circle back to Carol Channing's memorial the other day. I was in the Wings in in rehearsal, soundcheck with Tyne Daly. And we were talking about how lucky we are to to be there. Keep working. And keep working, and be, and, be and, and be there, and keep working. Part a Carol's much, family. How much? And she goes, "Yeah, I felt." She thought, "I felt so great about uh, being in the golden end of television with Cagney and Lacey, and then I, been Gypsy on Broadway." And I said, "Yeah, I just feel the same way. Like I don't know why me, and why did I get to work with George Abbott and Hal Prince and Carol Channing and Richard Burton, and and um, I, I just don't sometimes can't." Process it like I loved it. It was a dream, but I, and I don't know why me. Um, and then she just put her hand on my chest and goes, "Why not you?" <laughs> and I went, Phew. it was like a light bulb moment for me. Like, wow, why not me? And i have told that to li- people since then. And it's like, if I only knew that twenty years ago, thirty years ago, why not me? Uh, it would have might have made it me giving me that thing. But now this week just just. I'm here talking to you, and and why not me? And I, I'm so grateful, and um, I can't wait, I just...
1: You know what I want to say as we go out of this show? Okay. Sometimes it all wraps itself up perfectly. <laughs> Does it? Wait, Well, I'll tell you why, because we're going to play some music as we go out here. Okay. And when I play this music, everyone will know what I know, which is when you say, why me? This is why. The music we're going to play right now, okay. this is why. Because you are literally one of the greatest singers Ever in Jesus. I you love are. you, man. You Thank are. you so much. Love you too, Davis Gaines. All that you say that you feel about me is how I feel about you while you were seeking a one. Soft wonder, one my own. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.
2: Don't let go.
0: Find a moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app.
1: This instructional recording will teach you how to arm and deploy the launch device.
0: iHeart Radio presents The Control Group, Civil Defense.
1: Switch the indicator dial to the arm position.
0: The Control Group, Civil Defense. Coming June 30th. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows.
1: May God guide your hand
2: in the decision you are about to make.